0: If you get knocked over, get up again. That's a really good, good starting point. But that in itself is not resilience. Resilience is then actually thinking, okay, very quickly, what did I do wrong? And how do I do it differently? If I run into the wall, I would be really stupid to get up and then just run straight back at it. I've got to be thinking to myself, how do I go over it? How do I go under it? How do I go around it? So the true essence of resilience is
1: how do I do it different and better? Welcome back to the Run Alive podcast and the last episode of this first season. This episode is a really special one to finish off. It is a slightly longer episode but it's just so rich in content and stuff that's applicable to our everyday lives.
2: This week's theme is about having a healthy relationship with your passions and managing your mental health And we're talking to someone with personal experiences of the highs and lows of both.
0: I did attempt to take my own life and it was only after that point um, that I finally got a uh, diagnosis um, of bipolar disorder and mind were a huge help to me and my family in terms of um, educating me about what it means to live with um, such a serious condition um, and giving my family and me knowledge, hope, dignity and the strength to really rebuild my life in the way that I have.
1: This episode is a little more running focused than usual but of all the interviews we've recorded so far this is the one that really gets to the heart of the vision of the Run Alive podcast. How what you can learn through running can make you a better person at home and at work, as long as you have it all in the right place. If you're running marathon and you're
0: motivated by times, ah, oh, it's it's kind of like stop, because unless unless you're Elliot Kipchoge, there's always going to be someone quicker than you are.
2: What I think about when I listen to this story is just how transferable so many of the lessons are to different domains of life and how applicable it is for everybody, not just for runners.
0: All that happened with me was burnout with running in the same way that people experience the phenomenon of burnout within the workplace. Too much of it focused on the wrong thing.
1: Most of all, though, what I love about this episode is Rose's character and passion and how that really comes through. His ability to learn and his resilience to manage his mental health diagnosis and to push on despite it to be the best he can be each day. You know, you,
0: rem- you remember why we do it. We do it actually for those three or four miles between miles 18 and 22. We do it for those um, for those moments where your body's telling you no mass, in the words of um, Roberto Duran, but your uh, your mind is telling you actually no, I've I've got plenty mass in me, and I'm gonna uh, I'm going all the way to the end. My name is Rohan Calichuran. Um By day, I'm an HR director. I'm a trustee of Mind the Mental Health Charity, and on Sunday I ran my uh, 52nd marathon.
1: Ro, what makes you come alive?
0: Oh, where do we start? I mean, um, a Muhammad Salah goal is always a really good, um, good, good <laughs> starting point. <laughs> Um, although uh, I mean Liverpool haven't been scoring too many goals recently, but um, so there, there's probably a hint at my other huge passion aside from uh, from from running. Um, look, I mean running always does. It's something which really does make me um, make me come alive. I think for me, and it's something you know. We'll I know we'll talk about in a bit further detail um, in my work. of around mental health, the one thing I've um, really learned is to make sure every day that I do something, whether it's running, um, whether it's cooking, reading a book, but something which allows me just to absolutely separate myself from the day-to-day anxiety about tomorrow or worry about yesterday. Um, Something which allows me to absolutely be alive in that moment and just live Mm in in the present and actually you know football definitely allows me to do that because when I'm at Anfield and I'm a regular match goer you know for those 90 minutes I don't care about um what happened at work yesterday I'm not worried about that difficult meeting I've got tomorrow I'm just my head's in that place and running has the same impact for me um you know when I'm running I feel free um, and, you know, Run Alive is a, is a, is a great name for a podcast um, series because, you know, I think for so many people, and certainly for me, running just brings me to life. Um, and I said to someone after um, the marathon on Sunday, it's when I'm moving, I can be still. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I'm moving my body, my mind stops racing at 100 miles an hour and it's it's the most wonderful paradox um in running for me mm-hmm. is that still that you get in your mind when you're moving your body um uh in uh in a way that a lot of people think is totally unnatural
2: oh i love that that's poetic uh i love and and i love the uh essence there of being in the present moment um whether you're running or whether you're at Anfield and just dwelling in that. I absolutely love that. We're gonna go um we're gonna go a little bit back actually from the present moment to back to 2021, if it's okay. And you've yeah, alluded absolutely. to this already. In 2021, you set yourself the challenge of doing twenty-one marathons in twenty twenty one and it didn't it didn't pan out for you. And I know that's been a big um that was a big event in life and in many ways you've t- turned it into some huge positives but take us a bit through the story and the journey of what happened there i've i've been very lucky actually that
0: i've um, in a in a running career which i started late in life um i started running at the age of 39 2000, in 2013 i've been really blessed not to have um very much by way of injury um and I went to New York for New York Marathon in 2019. But I think I knew going into that that uh, I was worn out. I was absolutely worn out. I'd, um, uh, I, I got married earlier that, that year, which is the most amazing um, experience in life. Um, actually, I met Ed through my wife because um, the two of them have known each other for, uh, for, for a long time. Um, and you know that was wonderful, but it's an exhausting um I- experience I'd had a really busy time with work, and actually that was probably the beginning, if I think about it of seeds of a more unhealthy relationship with um with 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 running and i I kept on pushing myself to continue um continue going and I could feel you know I was sluggish I was exhausted um I wasn't having fun, and actually, the only reason I was doing it because was because I had this focus on New York. It was a major. It was this, that, and the other. I I didn't want to go to New York and uh, trundle around in you know what, what it, whatever it was. Actually, I'll tell you what it was because you know I didn't want to go to New York and run less than three fifteen. And if if I if I go back, it, it tells you a lot about focusing on the wrong things focusing on the wrong mm. things and you know i i went to new york and my calf went um very i'm trying to think probably about mile 12 13. um and um i mean it wasn't a it wasn't a kind of like a ping but i could feel the tightness from from that point because i knew body body wasn't ready mind wasn't ready um And it it wasn't a great experience. Um, And in my, perhaps, um, emotional, I think, I'm not going to say immaturity because I think I'm a pretty mature guy. But I think um, the decision to do the 21 and 20, um, well, 20 and 20 initially, which became 21 and 21, was definitely done with the chimp on my shoulder. Mm. It was... It was the emotional response to, right, that's not gone well. I'm going to prove to myself. I've I've never wanted to prove anything to anyone else, but I'm going to prove to myself that that was an aberration and I'm just going to do this big thing and look I, I've always continued to be driven to do stuff for mind but ultimately you know if I look back on it people number one people don't care how quickly I run a marathon people don't care if I run one marathon or 21 they're going to support it anyway but mm. when you get to that place of just pushing yourself and striving for more and trying to outdo what you've done previously. Um, that was where the 21 and 21 was born. And actually the reality was I, um, I, I did pick up a calf muscle injury or what we thought was a calf muscle injury early in the year around February, March time. Um, and I came back from that and I did run, um, about three or four, um, three or four marathons um, in May or June to kind of like launch the campaign per se. But again, my my body wasn't, my body wasn't there. My mind wasn't there at the time. Uh, we'd been through a family bereavement. Again, you know, work was a challenging place at, at that time. And running was just something that I was embracing for all the wrong reasons at a time when I should have been kind of like focusing on something else, you know. And mm. uh, it's People talk about the, the link between mental health and physical health. And we, mm. we constantly feed into this piece that actually, you know, running is such a great thing for your uh, mental well-being. Don't get me wrong, absolutely correct but um, and again we we can delve deeper the reality is it can also be exactly the wrong thing for your mental health Mm. at a a given point in time and you know for a lot of people if they're especially if they're living with perhaps an acute anxiety Mm. they're naturally going to have a higher heart rate than usual and actually Mm. one of the Perhaps untold symptoms of anxiety will be tightened muscles, tightened body. So imagine you're getting up in the morning, you've been trying to sleep, you've probably not slept. And what you've got is your heart's already racing at, you know, 70, 80 beats beats a minute. And my resting heart rate is typically around 40. But, you know, I'm waking up. I'm probably already at about 80. My body's tight as can be from this anxiety. And I'm mm. I'm pushing myself, no, you're gonna get out the door and run. And it's you, ultimately um I was I I was heading to an implosion. Um mm. that's that's the only way. I was I was on a one way one way ticket to to implosion and that, that came at the London Marathon um in October of, of twenty-one, where the calf did go ping after 6 miles um and it's only because it was my 50th marathon that i did um i i limped walked um oh. kind of like did did a did a funny hobble i looked like according to my mate um i looked like one of the uh, you know the walkers in the olympics um i look, oh. I, look I look like one of um, one of those guys i was i was really grateful to um the st johns ambulance crews on oh um on marathon day they are amazing they're absolutely amazing so every it's it's a really good job i wore a calf compression sock that day which i normally yeah. wouldn't do because they stuck a new ice pack in the compression sock every um uh, every couple of miles which <laughs> which got, wow. which got Gosh, me to
1: be really, i mean that it's, really does uh, redefine that kind of uh, sort of obsession with getting it done right and uh i found what you said was really interesting because I, i i'd love to i'd love to dig into this a little bit more because if i'm having a tough day i go for a run and that's something that gives me space and i think that's a general understanding in the in the population that running is good for your mental health but in this context you're also particularly talking about where perhaps a relationship isn't quite right with running or there's anxiety to deal with yeah tell us a bit more about about how it might not be the best thing to run
0: yeah look and for me running is still really good for you for for your mental well-being you know um i'm not going to get into the science of it and the release of endorphins and so on and so forth but what i do know is i feel great when i get back to my front door I've sweat a little bit, I've achieved something. Um, however, I think I always go back to um, you know, there's there's so many memes that you see on social media. Um, and that you always see that the, there's one that pop pops up is, you know, the worst run you'll ever do is the one that you don't do, or mm. something along those lines. It's that it's that insinuation that that kind of like the one you'll regret is the one that you decide not to do. And actually I think the biggest, the biggest learning point for any of us is knowing to trust ourselves when we, when we know actually today it's not going to benefit me Mm -hmm. today. It's not going to benefit me. And I'd much, I'd get much greater benefit from walking slowly Mm -hmm. for seven, eight Mm -hmm. miles or sitting, reading a book instead um, or going out on on my bike, it's just learning to understand the marriage between body and mind. Um mm. so it's you know it's and and that's a process. It's a learning process. You know, there there are some days when I wake up um and it's not that I'm in a foul mood, but I suppose the old cliche, I've woken up on the wrong side of the bed. I am a little bit mm. not And when we, there's two different types of anxious, if you want to put it, put it this way, is you've got clinical anxiety, i.e. anxiety is an illness. And then you've got anxious, the adjective, I am worried about something, I'm worked Mm, up about something. And actually, Mm. sometimes the two meet. But a lot of the time, actually, when people use the word, they're talking about two really, really different Mm. things. So there are times when I wake up and I'm anxious, the adjective. I'm a little bit fraught. I'm a little bit kind of, nah, I'm ready to have a, I'm ready to come kind of like have a fight with myself in an empty room. Um, and um, actually the best thing I can do then is lace up and go and let it all out on the tarmac on, uh, in, in Bassey Park. And I don't half feel great for it afterwards. But it's up to me to understand When's that the right thing to do? Mm. And when is it exactly the wrong thing to do? Um, and there are going to be moments when I wake up and actually know, I know right now, if I run, that is the worst thing I can do because it's just going to elevate my heart rate. Um, my mind's not going to be in the run or I'm going to push my body more than it should be because I ran last night. It's all of those things. It's, it's, it's holistic.
2: Did you have to post Lon- the London 2021 experience? Did you have, have yeah. to some of the things you're talking about now, your realizations and the way you frame it? Did you go through a period of sort of renegotiation with with running, or a period of re really redefining it? And I don't, you know, take us as, as much as you want to, and much as you feel happy to. I'm imagining that wasn't necessarily that easy to sort of. Get re, redefine that relationship
0: no uh, absolutely and um, again we were in that place of I am you know I, I go back to one of my um, tunes that I listen to when I'm uh, running uh, Titanium um, and you know we were still in that I'm Titanium mm-hmm. I've just had a scratch I'm coming back in, uh, well, in a few weeks time yeah. um yeah. And you know, I, I went out and I tried to run. It's kind of like, ah, this isn't very good. So, you know, mm. it 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 really was. I I at that point I wasn't prepared to negotiate. I wasn't prepared uh-huh. to negotiate. And it was only um so that was October twenty-one. And it was only in January twenty two when it was literally became chronic. Um at that point where, you know, I was walking out the door to try and run and I couldn't, I could walk, but I, the minute I tried to do something, I, I, I couldn't, um, I couldn't do it. Um, and eventually I, um, you know, I, I did, um, you know, my wife being slightly more practical than myself, she was kind of like, um, you're a people and talent director, you've got private healthcare, which yes, I'm very blessed to have as part of my job, um, kind of like, um, how about you go and see a physio instead of trying to diagnose yourself every five minutes? And I'm kind of like, why didn't I think of that? And that's, that's a really, that's a great plan. Um, and we, we did. And it, you know, it turned out that I did, it hadn't actually been a calf injury. I'd actually, um, uh, I'd actually had a fairly serious Achilles, um, uh, a Achilles problem so ultimately I didn't run for the majority of 2022 um, um you know my well, what was that like because
1: started- you kind of you you're at you're at this position then where you've got a slightly problematic if you don't mind me saying relationship with the sport that you love yeah. I think you mentioned work wasn't great as well at the same time you're also injured you're not doing that thing which gives you some mental space. So, like, what was 2022 like?
0: I mean, the start of it was great because um, I immersed myself in football instead. Um, Liverpool, were, uh, <laughs> Liverpool were having a great time.
1: Um, yeah. and we... You went to Paris, didn't you? I think.
0: Did, did you go to Paris? I did. To... I did. Yeah. I did, I did go to Paris. And, and actually, that, that was a real watershed moment because obviously that really did impact my mental health, what happened
1: um at, at the final um Champions League final yeah mm. just quickly remind us remind anyone who wasn't isn't a Liverpool fan what happened
0: yeah and that was um uh, you know the and it's the inquiry has said the policing by the French authorities yeah. was um was really inappropriate and um and you were caught you were caught up in it were you I wasn't caught up in the crushing. Um, There was crushing beforehand. which obviously brought back a lot of um, memories for Mm. people of um, the Hillsborough disaster in 1989. What I was Mm. caught up in afterwards was we were shepherded into a a very isolated part of uh, Saint-Denis, which is um, not Mm. the nicest area of Paris. And, uh, you know, Mm. one time where I I have to say I I was um, fairly frightened for, um, for 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 my life that night, and uh, gosh, I remember gosh. I got I got back to London the following day, and uh, there, there were a few tears. And yes, at that moment in time, wow, did I wish I could have run? Um, I really, mm. I really did. And yeah, last year was difficult on 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 every level, really, because um, you know work was a was a challenging time, and hence, as I said, we got to the end of last year and actually made that. Um, Made that call to step back. Um, obviously, I couldn't uh, process everything through uh, running, um, yep. running at all, and it did. It, it has a real impact. I put on a lot of weight. Um, you know, my typical um, running weight's probably been about twelve stone, just above. And by the way, for any listeners, we shouldn't ever pay attention to numbers. It's it's around how we how we feel. I want to be clear about that. But sometimes the number tells gives gives an indication um and you know when when i finally did have the courage to step on the stales um on 31st of december last year i was um, around 14.6 um so ultimately i think you know mentally and physically i was in a pretty um a pretty pretty difficult and dark place
1: what was it that Made, it was did you have a moment where you realized you couldn't give up on running that you had to try it again
0: yeah i and I, I think it was when i sat with um sat with the um not with my physio but with the consultant um who done um, you know off, um you know they did some further mri um scans around october time right. um and by this stage i don't think i I was ever in a place where i i I didn't want to run again, but actually, I think answering gary 's earlier question, I think I knew during the pro during the course of the year, I think I was fully aware that I needed to redefine my relationship with running mm.
2: um,
0: I think the relationship had become really toxic um and mm-hmm. I think it was one which where you know I'd, I'd fallen out of love with with the thing that I really loved um I hated race days because I was constantly putting pressure on myself um yeah. I needed to go back to the start I needed to go back to the start. When I started running, I, I, I ran for fun, enjoyment, mm. because it helped me to lose weight, stay fit, keep mentally alive. And it show, gives you so many lessons that we can apply in life as well. Um, and accidentally, without ever wanting to, I got all right at it. I, 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 I got you know I got, you, I got alright. I suddenly started you know, running you know, three fifteen, and then you know I I I brought that down. And while I was bringing that down, it wasn't toxic at all because I had no false pretenses. I was just enjoying it and having fun, but improving. And out of nowhere, suddenly I I did, you know, 259.02 at Brighton in 2017 and 257.29 at London a couple of weeks later. And again, we talk about titanium, feeling invincible. Mm. I, I felt absolutely that. But the problem then was from that moment on, every time it got to race weekend, and it wasn't about I want to go quicker, but it was kind of like, Prove to yourself it wasn't a fluke. Prove to mm-hmm. prove to prove to people that you know it's not it's not a fluke. And then the other one was, you know, yes, I'd love to like so many other people do the six stars. So it was constantly what well, you've done for. So I've done Berlin, New York, um, London, Chicago. But then for the other two, it's kind of like, well, you're going to have to get you good for age this that. And I was being driven by the wrong things. Um, and guys if you know I've, I've said before if you're running marathon and you're motivated by times ah uh, it's it's kind of like stop because unless unless you're Elliot Kipchoge there's always going to be someone mm. quicker than you are and I, that that's it don't we you know i i get it i, I do get it Um, of course you want to be the best you can be, but that's a different thing. And actually that was where I needed to get my relationship with running back to, which was you go out as I did on Brighton on Sunday. Yeah, I go out every, every time I race, I go out there to leave nothing out there. I'm not going to leave anything. Um, Well, I'm going to leave everything out there. Sorry. Yeah, I leave everything out there and I give it my best. I'm going to leave 100% of my sweat and tears out on that course. However, I am not going to be dictated. My enjoyment is not going to be dictated Mm -hmm. to by the watch that I'm pointing to on my wrist or the time that I get at the end of it. My enjoyment is going to be dictated to by... The joy it brings me and actually, more importantly, what I can bring to others, because I've been on that journey of starting out, being an absolute novice, being absolutely overawed by it. And actually, for me, you know, and again, flipping back to Ed's question, what what actually reignited Mm -hmm. my 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 sense of it was it was London Marathon Day um and i i i I didn't want to be near it I didn't want to be near it. I wanted to be the bitter injured runner, and actually, I felt it was better for my mental well being if I was nowhere nowhere yeah. near it um and we uh the, my wife and i we uh we went to church in the morning and then we went for uh lunch with some friends. Um, and we we came out of um, we came out of the restaurant at about three o'clock. Looked at each other, and it was kind of like, "Come on, we're going down to Embankment." Um, mm-hmm. And went out, found the uh, mind cheering spot, um, and I suddenly realised, yeah, you know what? This is much more fun just um, uh, just giving everyone the biggest shout they've ever had <laughs> in their lives. And one of the things that I've done with mine, because obviously you know, I've been part of Team Mind and their marathon teams now through the 2014 is, you know, I um, I always every year give a talk to their marathon teams around the journey, around Mind's impact on my life, around, you know, the fun of the, you know, marathon journey. And, I, you know, I remember a couple of people connecting with me during the week before the marathon and afterwards just saying – Thank you so much for the encouragement you've given everyone. Thank you so much for the insights you've given us. Um, And I think that whole marathon weekend, which was meant to be one that I just wanted to blot out and lock myself away and forget that was happening, it was that which reignited my, my, you know, Mm. that real sense of love. It was kind of like, Mm. it was number one, yeah, I have got FOMO. I, I want to be here um yeah. next year, and I've got a deferral um but more importantly, it was understanding that I could impact on the lives of people through running, even when I wasn't running um and I could still bring my unbridled joy in running to to others in in a different way, and that just helped mm-hmm. to, to reset reset everything.
2: And, and, and Ro, if you if you had one, if people are listening to this and recognizing that they have gotten a toxic relationship with, with anything, whether it be running or something professionally or even a, a relationship, if you could give them one, and it can be so hard, by the way, to hear the advice and to hear the perspective of others. But if you could give them one piece of advice or the the one thing that you look back and say, that's what made the difference for me, what one thing would you say to them? Ask someone close to you,
0: um, and we don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear it, but we have to confront it. We we have to confront it. In our hearts, we know. We can deny it all we like, and what will happen is we will deny it to ourselves, but we can't deny what's in front of us when someone that we really care about and that we know cares Mm. about us tells us. And I, you know, I, I, I had to, you know, I, I asked my wife, I asked friends, and they were kind of like, "Oh, just, just you've got to step away and remember why you remember why you do this, yeah. remember why you do this. Why you do this is not to be a sub three hour marathon runner. Why you yeah. do this is not to, you know." have achievements, you do it for free bananas. That's why you do it. Um, <laughs> you do it. But I needed, as I said, I, ne- I needed to ask, I needed to ask someone close to mm. me who could repeat that, that to me. So I think mm. one of the pieces of advice would be, number one, look yourself in the mirror and see it. But then mm. make sure you double down by taking that that sense from someone that you trust Um, and that that's Mm. a
2: start.
0: and actually don't beat yourself up because you will not be the only person in the world who has experienced this whether it be with running whether it be with work and again this there's so many transferables here you know we talk about all that happened with me was burnout with running in the same way that people experience The phenomenon of burnout within the workplace yeah too much of it focused on the wrong thing Mm. and that's how people burn out it becomes toxic um and you know when we when we spoke previously guys i i I almost likened it to a relationship Mm. and you know if we if we walked away from our personal relationships at the first hint of, of, of trouble, we would, we would never really achieve anything. What we need to do is step back and, and work through those relationships together. And actually, Running and I have had to work through our relationship together. You know, as, um, as Ross from Friends would say, Last year, we were on a break. Um, We were on a break. It was a really, really good break. Um, Because we got to a point where in our personal relationship, I had really unfair expectations of running. I expected running to give me the kudos. I expected running to give me the mental health benefits. I expected it to be everything apart from my wife. I expected running to -hmm. to be it. And in return, running expected me to give my my body over to it until it was broken. Mm -hmm. So running and I had built a wholly unsustainable relationship with each other. And we had to step away for 12 months from each other to work out our relationship with each other. And now we are at this really wonderful place where my expectation of running is put a smile on my face, keep a little bit of um, uh, weight off my tummy, um, help me to maintain resilience and mental well-being. And yeah, every once in a while, I'm going to go out and try and do you a bit quicker on race day, but not with target in, in mind just to be the best I can be and similarly running's expectation of me is have fun and tell others about me
2: all oh, right there's so much I love in that by the way that's that's amazing I'm hearing the objectivity as well to be able to almost distance yourself a little bit from that running relationship as well rather than being to- totally immersed in it and losing the perspective on it um, and I yeah. absolutely love the other Ooh. thing you said, which is deep down in our hearts, when these relationships get wrong, we, we know what can be really helpful is to be open and vulnerable with someone who can also tell you and yeah. really put it out absolutely. in the light between you. I thought that was beautiful. Absolutely.
0: And I think that level of vulnerability is so important in everything that we do. Um, and I think societally, we're getting much better at it. Men are getting much better okay. at it but it's still it's still difficult because ultimately the world's still set up whether it's in the workplace whether it's in running or football or you know whatever it may be there's still an inverse relationship between how society measures success and how it measures vulnerability um mm. and again we need to uh, get The balance better on that continuum because when we actually see vulnerability and success at the same level that's when we we're going to know that we're actually um really driving people's well-being a lot better than we currently are
1: yeah tell us about um uh, just sort of developing that a little bit there's um when we're talking about being vulnerable or not there's this kind of oh, I'm going to grit my way through this. I'm going to, I'm not going to be vulnerable. I'm going to overcome, right? You know, I'm just going to, so, you know, even setting out to try and run 21 marathons in a, in a year, like smacks a little bit of that kind of grit and tenacity. And I know you yeah. don't quite see it in that same way anymore. So well, how's that changed for you? Um, I think if I go into the workplace, um, and,
0: you know, what I do working in uh, HR and my background um, in, in recruitment and talent um, development. One of the buzzwords, if we go back, you know, from about 10, 10 years ago, suddenly we started seeing the words tenacious and resilient pop up in every single job description um, that, we, that, that we do. And I'd often think to myself, well, exactly what, what do you mean here? Resilient is a really, really, is a, is a big example of that. We constantly talk about resilience, but we describe resilience in what I think is often a very foolish way. And I've, the reason I say that is we've almost described resilience as being knocked over, and just getting up again, and going again. That's that's how we have defined resilience. Great. Well, if you get knocked over, get up again, that's a really good, good starting point. But that in itself is not resilience. Resilience is then actually thinking, okay, very quickly, what did I do wrong? And how do I do it differently, i.e. if I run into the wall I would be really stupid to get up and then just run straight back Mm. at him. I've got to be thinking to myself how do I go over it, how do I go under it, how do I go around it. So the true essence of resilience Mm. is how do I do it different and better and actually running Mm. is such a wonderful tool at our disposal for 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 how we how how we do this, because actually, in a marathon or in any other distance, for example, you're gonna have obstacles. There are gonna be there are gonna be days when it feels absolutely easy as can be, and boy, enjoy those enjoy those when you can. <laughs> but, actually, but actually, there are also gonna be days when this doesn't feel 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 great and in fact actually my pb i remember um it was at london in 2017 and uh, bermondsey's what about mile eight mile nine around that point and one of my best mates um uh, ran ran past me um and he's going like how are you pal i'm kind of like i'm I I really, if you see a picture of me at that point in time, I I really wasn't having a huge amount of fun. But I also knew, right? Actually, what I'm going to do, I'm not, I'm not going to try and burst here. I'm just going to stop, regather my thoughts, and then we'll see in two miles' time whether I'm ready to go again. And if in two miles time, I'm not ready to go again, I say, great, we reassess my expectation. But it's about finishing the race, rather than crashing and burning, because you weren't resilient enough to be able to shift your approach. And you know, that's, it's a great example for in the workplace, in our relationships, it's kind of like, right, step away, what can I do differently? to actually make this make this better and you know for, for me running has really taught me that art of um resilience and even on friday um on sunday why did i think friday? but on sunday driving down to the marathon on sunday morning claire was kind of like you wake okay? up and i'm kind of like yeah i'm just gonna go out have fun i'm gonna go out with you know i'm gonna go out and run at this kind of pace, you know, at around 7:15 to 7:30, and I'll very quickly know within 3 or 4 miles whether I feel comfortable or whether actually I'm laboring. And if I'm laboring, I will then reassess my strategy altogether, and if I'm feeling comfortable, I'll push on from there. And that for me is beginning to demonstrate that mental level of resilience. Mental resilience mm. is not always just about responding to adversity it's how we to use another work phrase um, that we constantly see in um, job descriptions these days agile thinking how do we think mm-hmm. on our feet how do we adjust our thought processes um, and you know again running's been brilliant for me in terms of developing the ability to think literally on my feet um because i'm not sat sat down but you know to <laughs> think on my feet yep. and to actually you know
2: manage adversity on on the go right thank you i'm hearing so many of the things that have come through from running into your professional and personal life as well and i and i just sort of want to say as we begin to end that actually i think you're a bit of a bit of a hero actually in how eloquent you are um but also you role model that brilliant vulnerability and, and openness and willingness to change the nature of the dialogue on on lots of things, not least the mental health side so it's been awesome Thank, thank, you. thank you.
0: Thank you it's been uh, it's, it's been a privilege it really really has been.
1: Wow, Gary, here we are again. I loved the ability that Rohan has to learn from his running and apply that to his personal life, whether it's his relationships, whether it's his work. uh, Just so much wisdom in there, isn't there?
2: Yeah, he's fantastically open and vulnerable with what he's learned, the wisdom, as you say, and he he uses it for himself, but he's also putting it out there for the use of other people and serving others. And that's clearly a huge sort of value for him and a big part of his character, isn't it?
1: Oh yeah. Uh, and just that drive to give back and everything he's doing with mind as a trustee. So, so inspiring. I really loved what he said about resilience though um and that picture he drew of like it not be all, being real resilience if you're just getting up and running back straight into the same wall and how you know it's just so important to think on your feet and try something different and work out a way to go around and i think that's what we want to talk about for this week's go do how do you reframe problems like that if the wall is the problem and you've just run into it and and fallen over you've picked yourself up which is the great thing to do but how ha- how do you reframe it then so that you don't just run straight back into it? Like Practically, wh- like, how do you go about
2: that? That's a great question. Now, there are a few ways you can do that, but I'm going to pick up on really the one that Ro talked about, which was the ability to somehow get perspective on your situation. And you talked about reframing it. So almost that ability to be able to get a bit of distance from what's going on between you and that thing, that wall that that whatever it is that toxic relationship that setback and what you can do is you can almost essentially try and get a a third person and it might be a real third person or it
1: might be a virtual invented third yeah because he actually talked about didn't he going to talk to Claire's wife and <laughs> she giving him that perspective but um that person might not actually be on hand at the moment so how do you do that if you don't have that other person
2: Well, you kind of have to do a bit of a thought game with yourself. And also, you know, that person might not be on hand. And also, you might not be open to hearing it. But there's a great habit that you can cultivate, which is to pull up an imaginary third chair. So there's you, there's a situation. And in the third chair, there's an observer. And the thought game you're doing with yourself is if I can get out of my seat and I can put myself in that third chair, what would I be seeing? What do I notice is going on between the two other parties, the two things that are happening there. And if I can see what's going on there, what advice would I be giving to myself? What would I say to someone who needed my help, who I dearly loved and I wanted the best for, what would I say to them? And that's the kind of game you've got to play with yourself.
1: Um, does it help to sort of outline the problem or write it down or ask particular questions about that? Have you got, uh, got some questions yeah. that you could start with?
2: I'm, a, I'm an enormous fan of a bit of uh, reflective journaling. You never know what's going to happen when you get out a pen and paper uh, and, and write some stuff down. It's, it's also, um, I think, can be easier maybe a little bit to be vulnerable with yourself rather than in front of other people. So give yourself permission to, to, to be open. I think the big, the big question you can start to ask yourself is, you know, what advice would I give myself in my own best interests? Mm if it and if it helps you can imagine someone who you really kind of like or respect or love giving you that advice what would they say to you if you've got a hero who if they were observing you in that situation what what would they say to you what uh words of wisdom and love would they have for you about how you're approaching it and how you need to go about doing it differently mm,
1: okay so this is good because you have sort of outlined the problem you're seeing it through someone else's eyes at a slightly different angle and then so how do you take that and then sort of get it to practical things to do. Like, how do you take those, those away? I love a plan, me. How do I walk away with my plan?
2: So maybe give yourself just permission to write down three things you can do differently. Or even notice what it is that is triggering you in this situation. So you raise a little bit of awareness of, okay, this, th- this is what's going on. This is how I'm gonna know that this is happening to me. These are the signs and symptoms that, for example, I'm about to engage in a habit I don't like, or I can tell the conversation I'm about to have is going down the route that I don't want. So a bit of awareness. And then just write yourself down a few, no more than three, practical things you can do. And maybe it's as simple as just stop and withdraw from that situation and put, yourself a, put a little pause in. You might have to give yourself permission to do something that you've never done before. Give yourself a bit of permission to experiment and say, okay, I'm gonna try something different or radical. No judgment on me. And if you are gonna try something different or radical, you might just wanna prepare the people around you. You Might just wanna give them a little bit of a warning and say, do you know what? Um, Today I'm gonna do this differently. Or normally this happens, but I'm not gonna do it. Or you might see me do this, please don't worry. Or I hope you don't mind folks. I'm just experimenting and give me just bear with me while i do this just to prepare your social environment to allow you to do something different because you know change is hard it's not just hard on you it's hard on the people around you sometimes as well
1: yeah so important okay so exercise out on the problem look at it from a different point of view come up with three things you can do and if necessary warn the people around you that things are going to be a little bit different or they might be for the next uh period of time exactly um, I think we're going to put these notes on the show notes so that you've got something to um, refer back to. So you can just download a little PDF that we'll put we'll put there. But um, well, I think that's a great way to really build some resilience and remember and just come back to that, that moment that Rose said, it's not true resilience to just grit your way through and try and run through the wall. You've got to kind of get some perspective and get a different angle and work out how you go over, around or under it. Yeah, love that. So we've come to the end of our first season. This whole project is something that I've been mulling over for several years. And so it feels, well, like a real achievement to have launched it. We've got some really interesting interviews out there, too. And there have been some great highlights. I think back to Damien Hall in episode one, talking about our values and making sure we apply them, but that they don't overwhelm us. And then more recently, I loved our conversation with Matt Gilder, the Vaporfly vicar, and how he's really found joy in running and found a way to keep it in balance in his life.
2: Every time I think about Matt, it just uh, makes me smile. And yeah, we've put so much into getting this first season out. I've almost lost sight of the fact that we've been speaking to some really exceptional people. They've shared their stories, their lessons, and they've been happy to let us into their lives a bit. I especially loved talking to Laura Siddle. Um, I've done duathlon, even a couple of triathlon, uh, obviously lots of running, but having that conversation with her and hearing how she goes about being absolutely at the top of her game and building that team was was huge. And I really liked talking to Alex O'Gorman. I've said to several people, um that great bit of wisdom he shared which is how you do anything is how you do everything just to sort of underline that consistency that we all bring to the different domains of our lives it's it's been great stuff
1: oh it has and and not to forget james riley who um last week was talking so openly about the bravery and the challenge needed to start something new
2: And we've got a few thank yous to say. Uh, We should say thank you to Levi for being our amazing sound engineer and Luke for being such an excellent designer of all our materials. And a huge thank you to everybody who's given us some feedback, both the positive feedback and those of you who've been kind enough to share what would have worked better for you if we'd made some changes. Uh, For us at this point, there really is no such thing as bad
1: feedback. It's all just really, really helpful data to help us get better. So looking ahead, we're already planning season two, which will likely be live in September, but we may also have a couple of surprise episodes dropping over the summer. So do hit subscribe or follow so that you don't miss those and we will surprise you with them just as you're about to go on your summer holiday so you can listen to them on the beach.
2: And our dream for this podcast is that it's really useful to you. So please do send us your feedback. You can uh, message us on Instagram or LinkedIn, or just send us a good old fashioned email at hello at runalive.co.uk. And also, importantly, if you would like to be on the Run Alive podcast, you know what we do, what we're all about. If you've got stories to tell and lessons to share, and running goes through your life then uh, reach out to us and uh, possibly you might be on the
1: next season or a future season if you've been impacted and inspired by this podcast we would love to hear from you we're doing this because we think there's a space to explore but also because we want it to be helpful and practical and that's why we have the go do at the end of each episode for example so if you've loved it or if you've found those sections particularly helpful and been able to apply them or if you have ideas on how to make them better or how to improve the podcast as a whole Please get in touch.
2: And finally, Ed, I'd just like to say uh, thanks to you. It's been a pleasure to be involved in the first season of the Run Alive podcast. I'm looking forward to seeing how we develop this over the next few months. Uh, but most of all, I'd like to say thank you for everybody who is listening and has listened. We're looking forward to seeing you in season two in September.